Let me introduce to you our speaker, Bobby Bogard. I've known him for a number of years now. He heads up uh, the Link Fellowship that I'm a part of, our church is a part of. And uh, first time here to minister was this morning, and he hit a home run. After the service, he came up and said, uh, you know, do I need to do anything different? I said, well, you hit a home run, so just don't lower the bar, lower the standard. Just do that again. It was just awesome about being under the blood. Bobby Bogart has been in ministry over 45 years. From 1993 to 2005, he was the executive pastor of Res Life Church in Granville. That's Pastor Vanderklok's church. He then went down to Gateway Church in Texas, Robert Morris's church, where he was on the executive team there. He has since returned in 2017 to Michigan to to once again head up or be the executive director for Linked International Network of Churches. He is considered a pastor to pastors. His life calling is to be a father to the fatherless. He's passionate about approaching ministry from a generational perspective. I'd like to say Cornerstone is an Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Grandfathers, fathers, and sons in the house. That's our desire. Anyway, he did a wonderful job this morning. You did. You did a great job. And so let's give him a great Cornerstone welcome. Can we do that? God bless you. Thank you, bro. Over on, man. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. We uh, started out the day pretty well, so this service is all on you. I'm serious. Uh, I don't normally do this, um, but... I really felt like as I was praying for this service back in the green room uh, that the Lord just kind of dropped something in my heart and it, it was just heavy hands. I wondered what, what does that mean? Heavy hands, heavy hands. And then um, we got in here and the Lord kind of gave me a couple of word pictures. But as pastor asked us to reprise on that last song about lifting our hands, I went to lift my hands and like my arms, you know how sometimes when your arms go to sleep and you feel that tingling, all the blood's gone and I just, I couldn't keep my hands up, heavy hands. I felt like the Lord showed me a number of people that are in the room today and the picture came kind of as a person in a jar that's trying to lift the lid, lift the lid. And so you're, you're constantly trying to lift the lid. Your hands are continually trying to push the lid off of your life. And I felt like there was three specific areas. One, that somebody is in here, one or two, that, um, that you're dealing with a physical illness. Um, may be known, may not be known to anybody around you, but you know that there's something going on in your body and... You've just kind of been trying to push that thing off, maybe changing your diet, taking pills, getting oils, whatever, you, whatever you're using to try to push the lid, and it's just like it's heavy, and, and you're exhausted. Your hands have come down, and you feel no more fight in you. I also felt like there was somebody here that was dealing with finances, and uh, not in, it really in two senses. Number one, yeah, of the, the normal thought would be you're trying to push off the debt, the weight of debt in your life. But it's also, I think somebody's just been trying to push off the lid on your finances because there's, there's dreams and visions that you have, maybe starting a business or, or uh, investing financially and you just can't get that lid of, you know, excess, the, the abundance that needs to come to your life and your hands are just weary. You've kind of exhausted. And then lastly, um, it was in the, way, in, in the area of just the weightiness of your spiritual life. It's like you've, you've lost energy over the COVID season. And it's like you've been trying to lift your hands. You've been trying to break through. You've been trying to, you know, reading your Bible is a labor and, and praying is something that's exhausting to you. To think about Coming to church, it's just like there's this heaviness, this weightiness on you. And I feel like the Lord wants to lift that lid. He wants to bring a breakthrough on that lid this morning. 
And so if that's you in any one of those forms or um, picture, word pictures there, would you stand and allow me to just pray for you? Um, I know in my personal life, I've been going through some of those things and feeling that weight. And I just sense there's an anointing on me to help you kind of like Aaron and her, you know, to, to lift your hands uh, and help the battle go well. Anybody relate to that? Okay. Okay. Amen. All right. Now I'm going to ask you to do something that you don't feel like doing. I want to ask you to lift your hands. And as you're lifting your hands, you're receiving God's personal touch on your life this morning. He's using me to address it. He's using me to speak to it. But it's because he loves you and he knows right where you're at. And he's, he's not unaware that your hands have been heavy. And as I pray this this morning, I want you to feel the Holy Spirit come and give you energy, renewed energy. There may be even uh, creative thoughts that come to your mind, uh, breakthrough Direction, things of that nature that come to you right now as we pray this prayer together. If you're close by, just stretch your hand to these that have their hands up. You've been in a place uh, like they're in before, and so let's, let's pray together as a family. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are, that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who heals. That just like you sent your word in days of old, you sent your word this morning through me to speak to these bodies and souls that need healing. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that just like you quickened Jesus' body and raised it from the dead, that you would quicken these bodies right now in the name of Jesus, that they would be touched by the healing power of the stripes that Jesus bore so that they will stand and declare with hands lifted up, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Father, I pray for those that have either under a heavy weight financially or looking for breakthrough financially. They've, they've given themselves. They've been generous. They've, they've tithed. They've, they've believed you. And it just seems like the lid has continued to stay. And their hands are heavy this morning. And Father, we release you as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who goes before them to provide. We thank you this morning that you are El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough for their lives. And so we, we ask for breakthrough, that you would honor the tithe, that you would honor the generosity of their lives, the giving of offerings. And Father, that you would bring a release from heaven, that you would open up the heavens today and pour them out a blessing, even this week, that will run them down and overtake them in such a manner that they will be astounded and say, the Lord has done this thing for me in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And then those for, of our brothers and sisters who have felt the weight spiritually, Father, we thank you that you have grace for us. We thank you this morning that you come alongside of us. And you said to come unto me, those who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, by the Spirit of God, we speak rest into their souls. Breath of heaven, wind of heaven, come right now, blow into their hearts, blow into their souls, blow into their spirits, the breath of spiritual life. In the name of Jesus, we break off the work of the oppressor and we release the life of the spirit in the name of Jesus. So now that they will exchange mourning for dancing, Lord, that they will put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and the joy of the Lord will be their strength in Jesus name. Amen and amen. So be it. Come on, let's honor the Lord this morning. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm honored to be in the house. It's, it's a blessing. It's my first time here at Cornerstone, and I love 
Pastor Tim and Rhonda, their spirit, their heart. Uh, what, I, what I really love about them is they're so kingdom-minded, they're contagious. You know, every once in a while I get this text from Pastor Tim, just a word of encouragement. It's just because it's all over them to pastor and to care for people. And, and so, and then you've got a great team. I mean, they, they've empowered those around them. When we're around your team, they're contagious. They're, they're visionaries. They're not looking to just keep the boat afloat. They're looking to take ground and be aggressive. And so I want you as a congregation this morning, honor your pastor, his wife, their, their team. Would you give honor to those who have served you and blessed you? I told the first service that they couldn't clap that long because I didn't have much time, but we got all afternoon. (laughs) Amen. I'm honored to be here. I wish I could have brought the beautiful rose of Texas. You know, they say behind every good man's a good woman. I've I've got a great woman. And uh, so I wanted to bring her with me today just by picture. So they've got a picture here of the beautiful rose of Texas. As you can see, she gets prettier and I just get older. But uh, she is the beautiful rose of Texas. I love her with all my heart. Um, Then we have a family, man. God's blessed us with a family. And I got a family picture here. We're a small crew, but we love to have fun. We're here in our Christmas hats at a Mexican food restaurant in Texas where you don't have to wear a mask. Praise God. Amen. And then... uh, You know, they say that grandkids are the reward for not killing your kids. I've got three great-grandsons here, and uh, they're just awesome young men of God. They love God, love the church. Isn't it good to have a good heritage? And uh, so we love our family. Wanted to introduce them to you. Glad to be here this morning. I want to make sure that I've got the right audience in the room. I wonder if anybody here has ever been coming to church with your family And all of a sudden, a fight breaks out in the car. Anybody? Uh, I got both hands up. (laughs) We wore that one out a couple of times. Amen. Anybody here, maybe um, on your job, uh, maybe a a boss passed you over for a promotion, or maybe the company instituted a new policy and made your job harder, and and you've just been frustrated, ready to quit, maybe want to say a few words to your oversight or your boss that you shouldn't say, you're just frustrated, want to walk out and just be done with it. Anybody like that? Yep. All right. If you're a blue collar area, you got to feel like that once in a while. Amen. Like, uh, anybody here, let me, let me drill down a little bit deeper. Let's get a little raw here. Anybody here ever been mad at God? I've been there. I've been mad at God. And you know, so here's my question. Is it okay if we come into the house not okay? I mean, is it all right that maybe some of us walked in this room today and our marriage is stressed? We might have, we might have even walked into this room thinking about, if, if it don't change quick, it's like we're going to divorce. I mean, is it all right that we come into the house and we're not all right? Is it, is it okay if I'm not okay this morning? I remember a season in my life when I bottomed out. I mean... I loved God, but I just bottomed out. And it happened, actually happened while I was in Bible school, Christ for the Nations, studying to do what I'm doing now today. But it was the summer of my first year, and I had uh, completed my first year, and toward the end of that semester, my mom and my stepdad moved down to go to school with me. I got to tell you something, my stepdad... Um, he was a man, I I really loved him. I didn't have a father in my life. This was actually my mom's fifth marriage. 
And so there was no stability as far as a father figure in my home. And um, what happened was that she married this man and his twin brother was the pastor of Gospel Mission Church in Desark, Arkansas. And we ended up there through a series of circumstances and on August 15th, 1972, Wednesday night after church at the Gospel Mission Church, I gave my life to Jesus. And so we were born again. My mom was born again. And um, we began to serve God in that little church. And I love this man. To the extent that if you go to the 1974 yearbook at Christ for the Nations and you find my picture, you're going to find the name under it, Bobby Poole. Because I loved him so much, I assumed his name. Well, he had, a, he had a moment in his life. He had a bottom out session in his life during those first few weeks that we were there in Dallas together. And he ended up getting involved with another lady and he ended up divorcing my mom. And we found ourselves that summer, it was, happened so quick. Found ourselves in a lawyer's office, signing divorce papers. My mom saying, please don't do this. Please don't do this. My heart broken and shattered. And my response to that season, to that moment, was I got mad at God. I thought, man, if you can't even keep a marriage together, why do I want to serve you? And so through the remainder of that summer, I, I just, I did everything I could do that I could think of to make God mad at me. I lived a lifestyle contrary to the kingdom of God. And so what is it when we get out of sorts? How do we respond when it's not okay in our lives. When it's not all right in relationships, what, what do we do with that? That's kind of the question I want us to circle around this morning as we look at this message that I'm bringing to you. But what happens if I come in here and, and I'm depressed and oppressed and I'm, I'm just under it and I don't, I don't care anymore? I don't care about you. I don't want to hear anything about you. Maybe we've had some church hurt. Somebody's disappointed us. Somebody's gossiped about us. We're in the room this morning and it's just, it's not okay. Our life is just out of sorts. We're not all right and we're in the house. How, how do we respond to this? And I think of Romans chapter, well, first of all, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to get to that passage. You might as well just hold on to it. Get it out in your phone. We're going to look at that at the end of the message. But before Romans chapter 8 is Romans chapter 7. Does that make sense? I just wanted to make sure that you were able to go away with something solid this morning. Romans chapter 7 is before Romans chapter 8. But Ro Romans chapter 7 really describes our need for why we're in this context over these next three weeks. It really describes why we need personal revival in our life. It really describes the battle that raged in my life throughout that whole summer because there was there was a part of me that I loved God with all of my heart I knew where he had brought me from I knew the relationship the intimacy the the father that he was in my life but at the same time there was this battle with disappointment and hurt and anger and frustration and there was this battle that was raging in my life and it put me in a position where in my life, I needed personal revival. 
I needed to be revived. I needed to be brought back to life again. I needed to be awakened. I needed to be uh, brought out of this dormant, lifeless state that I was living in. And Romans chapter 7 really describes that. Let's look at it. I'm looking in the Message Bible. We're going to begin in verse 21. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. Hear the conflict. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything. You ever been at that point where you feel like I've tried everything? It's like this thing is awakened in me. It's overcoming. I've tried everything. And nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Some of us may be sitting in this room today and you feel like you're at the end of your rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God. Everybody say, thank God. Thank God is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influences of sin to do something totally different. And so there are times that we walk into the house of God and we've got this conflict going on. Is it okay if I'm not okay? Is it all right if sin is predominantly uh, controlling my life in a certain area? Is it okay if I walk in here with my Sunday suit on and, and portray this life of righteousness, but yet I'm dead on the inside? Is it all right this morning if we're not all right? And I would propose to you that yes, it is okay that you're sitting and I'm sitting in this room and we're not okay. Now I can hear some wheels going, Pastor Tim. Somebody said, what in the world did Pastor Tim bring this guy in here for? He's telling us that it's okay to sin. No, I'm not telling you it's okay to sin because a lifestyle of sin is detrimental to your life, right? Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, look in the Amplified. What shall we say to all this? Should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow? Certainly not. How can we, the very ones who died to sin, continue to live any longer therein? A lifestyle, a culture, a life built on habitual uh, habitual sin will bring death to your life. So I'm not going to advocate that this morning. I don't believe Jesus is here advocating that this morning. But I do believe that there are some passages that were written to Christians that said, if you confess your sin. Now, doesn't that have a presumption in it that you might slip up once in a while? Right? And it's written to believers. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen? I mean, there's a formula for for healing of our brokenness in James chapter 5. It says if we confess our faults, that presumes that we're going to have some faults. If we confess our faults, he is faithful and just to, uh, excuse me, if we confess our faults one to another, we'll be healed. Amen? 
So there's something about being related to believers that in, in a context of relationship, revival can come to my brokenness because I can confess my fault, right, to Lucas. I say, Lucas, man, I blew it. And by confessing my fault to Lucas and he joins me in that battle, I can come to a place of victory in my life. And so the reality is if you look at it theologically, when we, when we received Christ into our life, we were justified. Somebody said you could, you could term that word just if I had never sinned. We were justified. We were made the righteousness of God in Christ. That happened in our spirit. In your spirit right now, you're as perfect as you will ever be because God resides there. But then there's this process called discipleship, right? Am I right? There's this, there's this process of growing in Christ. And there's this process of what's in my spirit beginning to permeate my soul and even my physical body to reflect the kingdom of God that's on the inside. And that's where the battle is. And that's what I'm talking about this morning, that if you're in that place where you're being reconciled to God, you're in that place of a battle, you're in that place where things are in certain areas of your life are dead, they're dormant. The good news is it's okay. You don't come into the, into the house with shame and condemnation and guilt. Why? Because he says, come therefore boldly under the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help us in a time of need. Amen? Amen. God doesn't shut his door when we mess up. He doesn't kick us out of the family when we mess up. Rather, he has opened up Like we sang a while ago, he rent the veil from the top to the bottom. Amen? We didn't rip it from the bottom to the top. He ripped it from the top to the bottom so that when it's not okay in my life, I can go into the holy of holies and things can can become all right in my life. And so we're here in this pursuit of personal revival this morning. And here's what I would say to you. There's, there's a couple of reasons that I want us to look at this this morning. Number one is because there's grace in this house. When we walked into this room, the grace of God was ready to meet us. Now, I wrote this formula. It says this, grace is greater than sin. Grace is always greater than our sin. In other words, you cannot sin to the degree that you nullify grace. I already got to praise the Lord right there. I mean, you cannot sin. There's not enough bad that you can do to keep God from pursuing you. There's not enough bad that we can do to nullify the grace of God. You cannot outsin the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Pastor Bobby, that's, that's some pretty good stuff right there. And so grace is always greater than sin. But that's not the end of the formula. Sin is always greater than works. I want to let that set for a minute. Sin is always greater than works. What do I mean by that? See, the tendency that we have when things are not all right in my life, I don't want to bother God. I don't want to, you know, ask for his grace again. I've done that several times, right? So I'm going to take this on my own and I'm going to do all these good works to overcome my sin. But sin is always greater than our works. How many of you know by our works we'll never be justified? Three of you. The rest of you don't believe that. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter (laughs) 2. 
And we're going to go old school here for a minute. We're going to read 10 verses. So some of you young people in here, gird yourself up. This is not a one verse portion here. We're going to give you 10 verses. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, reading in the New Living Translation. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil. The commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Sorry, I lost my place there. I was wondering where that sentence ended. It's over here. Following the desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everybody else. So prior to us knowing God, how many of you know we lived a lifestyle of sin? I don't know why we get frustrated at sinners, Pastor Tim. You know, because they're going to sin, right? They're going to live a lifestyle of sin. Why? Because they haven't experienced the grace of God. But look at these next two words. But God. You've got to love a but God. Amen? Everybody say, but God. But God. Now, now, as we read this next section, you've you got to feel it with me, okay? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into my acting school, okay? Because you've got to feel this with me. But God is so rich. he's rich God is so rich in condemnation God is so rich in shame no what does it say God is so rich in mercy everybody say mercy Mercy is not getting what we deserve, right? But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised up Jesus Christ from the dead, amen? When I read that section, I think of tycoons on Wall Street. I mean, people that got so much money. My son was telling me, he's down in Florida. He was telling me about, he went to this boat show the other day. And he said, Dad, there was a boat there for $60 million. It was a boat that had a three-bedroom uh, three apartment in it. It had a place where they could, they had their pontoon boat in it and they had their speed boat in it. So it was not only just one boat, it had three boats. Now I can't even imagine, I don't even have a canoe. <laughs> right? But imagine wealth of that nature. And think about what we just read. The wealth of God's mercy. The wealth of God's love. The wealth of God's grace. We need to awaken ourselves up to the richness of our God this morning. Amen. So he gave us life when he raised up Christ from the dead. Listen to this. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because 
We are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to all the future ages as examples of the incredible, listen to me, wealth of his grace and kindness. Everybody say kindness. Kindness. Not judgment, not anger, but of his grace and his kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved us. Or you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. We are created anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do good things. I love this last part. Man, this is all about because... So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The reason God doesn't want to meet us in judgment and anger this morning is because he's got a lot for us to do. And in order for us to be able to do all, all God has for us to do, we need clean hearts and clean hands. Right? We need a sense of freedom. We don't need to be living in brokenness. But yet he's okay with broken. If you think about the word broken, B-R-O-K-E-N. So in the middle of broken is okay. Well, that shocked some of you. <laughs> See, when I, when I am so works-minded, I can't fathom that God is okay with my brokenness. Not in the sense that he wants me to stay there. But in the sense that he's aware that I'm living this life on a journey. And in this journey, once in a while I may stumble. And he's okay with that. But he doesn't want me to leave this room today broken. He doesn't want me to live in my brokenness. That's why he extends the grace of God to us in our lives. I'm Think about how you got started in this thing called Christianity. You didn't get started in this by coming and cleaning the church. Right? You didn't get started in Christianity because you helped some old lady across the street. You didn't didn't get started in Christianity because you volunteered to go over to another nation and help poor people. Right? Right? You got started in Christianity, not because of what you did, but because of what he did. Not because of what you didn't do. You didn't cuss, you didn't smoke, you didn't chew, you didn't run around with those that do. That didn't save you. Right? Because there are a lot of people living a good life. That don't have a relationship with the king and they're not walking in complete freedom. They're not walking in their destiny. God wants to meet us this morning with grace so that we can run our race without the weight of sin, without the weight of brokenness in our lives so that we can walk free and in our freedom we can help other people get free. With our story, with our journey of overcoming, we can help others overcome. See, there's always somebody on the other side. It's not all about me this morning. Even even in my brokenness, I can make it all about me. Oh, woe is me. I want to get right with God. Oh, woe is me. This, 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 this. No, it's me getting right with God because there's somebody waiting for my story. There's somebody waiting for my testimony. On the other side of grace, there's somebody waiting for me. On the other side of my personal revival, there's somebody that is dormant and asleep. And they need me to set across from them. Tell them God loves them. Tell them that God's rich in mercy. Man, Paul, he asked the Galatians a pretty penetrating question. It's one I think we ought to consider this morning. It's found in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. It says, how foolish can you be? Now again, don't just read the words, feel the words. 
Paul's writing to people that he's led to the Lord. He's writing to a church that's been birthed under his ministry, right? And he says, it's almost like, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human efforts? I appreciate you being here this morning. So does pastor. But you being here this morning is not what makes you right with God. You could have perfect Sunday attendance. But that doesn't make you right with God. That doesn't bring revival into your heart. What brings revival into your heart is your awareness that God's grace is sufficient for us in our weaknesses. Amen. The second thing, and I'm going to wrap it up with this, is because of the love of God. The love of God's in the house. His love is so much different than our love. We love people because of. We love them because they do this, because they do that. We love people um, not only because of, but we, we love people for who they are. You know, their status. Their, it's like our love is conditional, right? You're either going to, I love you because you're doing something for, you, for me. I, I love you because, you know... Um, I don't remember. I don't even remember why I love you. Matter of fact, at one time, I thought you were pretty unlovable. But God loves us. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners. This is before we met God. While we were still sinners, while we were haters of God. God commended his love toward us. Why would he stop commending his love toward us if he loved us before we became a Christian? Why would he stop loving us after we became a Christian? Romans chapter 8, you're there. I'm going to read these verses. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword The answer is none of these things can separate us. Skipping down to verse 38, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you remember... This is going to age me. I'm old, by the way. I'm 65. On my way to 66. But some of you may remember this. There was, there was a time when I was in school and we'd have a girlfriend that we liked. And we'd pick a flower. And we'd pull the petal off. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. Now, if you were smart like me, you always counted the petals beforehand. So the last petal, she loves me. Sometimes that's kind of a picture of the walk that we have with God. He loves me. He doesn't love me. He loves me. He doesn't love me. It's almost like Russian roulette. The reality in God's kingdom is he loves me. He loves me more. He loves me again. He loves me anew. It's just all he loves me. So I lived a life broken for that summer. Doing things that I'm ashamed of today. I was mad at God. But toward the end of summer, Christ for the Nations had some revival meetings. And um, I heard the beautiful Rose of Texas was back in town. Thank you women for being enticing for us men. So I thought, I got to go see the beautiful Rose of Texas. And I went into this service 
I'll never forget it. It was kind of a shotgun auditorium, and I was sitting back on the left side, kind of in the back. And God sent this little short Irishman to be the speaker that night. I don't necessarily remember what he preached. I just knew that in my heart there was a stirring. I got to get out of this cycle. I got to get out of this cycle. I've got to get back into relationship with God. I got to get back right with God. And so in those days, they always had prayer lines. So they made an invitation. And in this particular situation, they walked us up on the platform. And I kind of happened to be right in the middle of the platform. And responding just there, wanting to do whatever And so this Irishman, he started on that and he started praying for people. He'd put his hands on them and they'd fall out. And I was kind of like, oh my gosh, what have I got myself into? (laughs) Some of you have been there. And he just kept laying hands on people. They kept falling out, falling out. And he came to me and he extended his hand and he pulled it back. I get emotional every time I tell this story. He stepped back and he looked at me and he just pointed his finger at me. He said, young man, God wants you to know that he loves you. And when he said those words, it was like this this wind came out of his mouth and it just hit me. Rose tells me that I was... I was laid out for about 30 minutes. He never touched me. While I was laying there, it was like the grace of God, the love of God, just washing, cleansing, healing. What I'm saying to us this morning, it's okay. It's all right. God knows when you rise up, when you sit down, he knows the thoughts and intents of your heart and he's not mad. He's in love with you. This morning, I'm going to ask everybody to stand, every head bowed and every eye closed for just a minute. Let me give you this picture. God loved me in that moment. Nineteen seventy-four. No, yeah, seventy-five. Nineteen seventy-five. Loved me in that moment because He wanted to get me to this moment. Are you with me? But God loves me in this moment as well because He wants to get me to there. God loves you this morning because there's a future and a hope for each and every one of us. So for just a moment, I want to ask every head bowed, every eye closed. Because maybe you're here this morning and you're on the other side of God's love. You're in that moment and time where your life is not right with God. You've never accepted God's love in your life. But you've become aware this morning that you need God. He wants to change your history. He wants to change your destiny. He loves you desperately. And it doesn't matter the condition of your heart or your life. You could be on top or you could be on bottom this morning. But you're not living the full life that God has for you until you come into that relationship. If there's anybody here this morning, you say, Pastor Bobby, I'm not right with God, but I want to get right with God this morning. Or maybe you have been wounded. You've been disappointed. You've, you've kind of walked away from God. And you, you're saying this morning by lifting your hand that, Pastor Bobby, I'm going to get right with God this morning. I'm renewing my relationship with him. If you're in any of those two conditions, the count of three, I want you to just lift your hand. Lift it up high. You ought to be proud to lift your hand. 
Don't be ashamed because every one of us have been in that same place at some point in time in our life. God loves you right where you're at and he wants to make a difference. One, two, three, lift it up high. Let me see it. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, back there in the back. Thank you, thank you. All right, you can put your hands down. I want us to pray this prayer together as a family. Every head up, every eye open. If you lifted your hand, I'm asking you to pray this from your heart. As we pray together with you. And the invitation that you're making is you're you're inviting God to come in and take control of your life and give you direction and give you life and peace on the inside. So we're going to pray this together. Say, Father, today I receive your love and I receive your grace. I thank you that you understand my brokenness. But I make an exchange today. I'm going to receive your life and I'm going to give you my brokenness. And from this day forward, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. From this moment forward, I will live under your grace and under your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's celebrate those that just made that decision this morning. Now, Pastor Tim, I didn't ask this before service, but is there a place that they could go to meet someone? Okay, so if you lifted your hand right over here, y'all step up on that corner. If you lifted your hand before you leave this room, would you do me a favor? Would you come meet this couple? Could we, could we maybe get another couple on this side? Just so someone doesn't have to walk so far. Okay, these couples are going to be out on the end. If you lifted your hand, you made Jesus the Lord of your life. I want you to connect with one of these couples because they're going to give you something that can help you walk out that journey. Now for the rest of us, we're going we're gonna to close the service with one more worship song. God has spoken to you this morning. And there's something that you just need to, you need that old-fashioned moment of coming to the altar and laying it down. Making the exchange. Allowing revival to take place in your heart. In the area where you need the grace of God. And you need the love of God to touch your life. So as we worship, Pastor, you come. As we worship, you come. And you make this altar a place of relationship with God. Amen. Go ahead. You come now. You move. Something that you need to get right with God. Something you need to lay down. A place you need revival. You're not bad if you come. You're not a bad person if you come. You're just a person that's on a journey and you need some help at this moment. You need an encounter with God. So I'm going to invite you all over this room. Make your way. Come to the altar. Give your heart to God. Give your life to God.